This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 361. You can fail, you can make mistakes, but with persistence, you will always succeed when it comes to real estate investing. As always, I'm Ashley Kerr, and I'm joined with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today, we have a guest by the name of Mike Prevatera, and he's been cutting grass for the last three decades, but he finally decided to get his financial house in order. And because of that, he's been creatively taking down deals left and right. Mike, super excited to have you on the show, brother. Welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Thank you very much, Tony. Ashley, it's good to see you too. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I I want to kind of jump right in and I want to know, is there a moment in time where you decided that you would do anything to invest in real estate? Well, it started with, it, it when I was, I was driving home from, uh, went back to college, was getting my degree. And halfway through my last semester, I'm like, uh, I cannot do this. So I tried to get started in real estate, but I, I, I found that I couldn't get, I could find the deals, but I couldn't put them, I couldn't keep them together because of my finances. Uh, I had a deal that I found driving for dollars. I negotiated a sale price on this house for $80,000. I knew I couldn't get the deal together. Uh, it ended up, that fell apart and it was sold on the MLS for $120,000. And I just, out of a fit of frustration, I, I was complaining to my wife. I'm like, you know, I, nobody will help me. And, but then it began to, I realized I was like, nobody will help me because I'm not helping myself. So that feeling of anger changed into this like steel resolve where I was like, I have to make some changes. I have got to get this, you know, straightened out. I have to get my finances in order. Um, so we just sat down with a notepad and we just started going through what we needed to do. And there wasn't a lot of big changes. Uh, we, I, we had already been sort of frugal, but we were like, now what can we actually get rid of? So we, we tried to stretch things a little bit further. We bought groceries, groceries in bulk. Um, we would try to eat out like one or two times less a month, just a lot of simple, small things. Uh, and then we, you know, we just took control of that. We reduced our credit utilization, started paying things off. And from there, things really started to turn around, but it was all because I just, one day I just, just like, I have to get my finances in order. Like, what did that timeline look at from that day you decided to get your finance in order, your finances in order until the day that you decided you were ready to buy real estate. And then when you actually purchased your first investment. Okay. Well, there's a little bit of a duality to that. That probably took a good year from the time I was like, I'm sick of this. I'm getting it together to when I was really felt really good about everything. But in that time, I was still looking, doing all these crazy things, trying to find the deal, trying to find a deal. I joined the BP and I got on on the website, on the forums. I said, hey, I'm from Greenville. Is there any people from Greenville, you know, interested in talking about real estate? I'm brand new. Uh, I got a message from a guy that said, hey, I'm not interested in being in real estate investing, but I do have a triplex in Greenville that I want to sell. And I was like, ah, another deal I'm going to miss out on. Um, but this guy was actually very nice. And I made a huge mistake that I'm like, everybody be like, everybody that's listening is going to go, oh my gosh, this guy's an idiot. Why would he do that? Uh, basically me and this guy, we, we had a verbal agreement that I was going to buy the house and he was like, okay, cool. And I was like, but I want to fix it up before I take it to the bank. Dude, can I, can I sell every single one of my houses to you first? And like, I'm going to, I'm going to take every one of my deals to you first. Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, yeah, let me fix that. He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. You know, thank, thank God this guy was honest. Um, so like I did, it was like six months of me working in this house, doing demo, all kinds of stuff. Um, I probably put like 10, $15,000 in materials in it and I had finally got it all together and I was trying to take it to the bank, but it wasn't done yet. And the, my lawn officer at the bank said, look, we can't finance a house. that's not done. I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And what we sat down and figured out is that the house, it's a triplex, but as a duplex, it would still work, you know, for the bank. So the loan officer, he did some sort of magic 
and he got it pushed through for me. And so I ended up with that. And like I said, then I was able to finish it. And it took me like another six months to finish it because I was still trying to get my finances in order. So I was like, yay, I did it. I got my finances in order and now I have rental properties. I'm, I made it. And then, but I've made other mistakes and we can get into that here in a few minutes. I got lots of stories. Mike, I, I, dude, I, I love that. I don't, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's done work on a home before they actually purchased. I think that might, you might be the first guest I've heard say that, but it worked out for you in the end, which is what's most important. But I, I definitely want to get into Mike, uh, what it looked like for you to actually get your financial house in order, because we talked about the defensive side of things where you're, you're trying to reduce your expenses, but I also want to focus on the offensive side, like what you were doing to increase your income. And we'll get into that right after a quick word from our show sponsors. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com, or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages, until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. All right, so we are back from the break, and Mike, you you just kind of walked us through how you did something we've never heard of before, uh, doing work on a home before you bought it. But taking it back a few steps, I, I want to go back to you getting your financial house in order. You shared with us that you stopped eating out, you were you know buying groceries in bulk, doing all these different things to decrease your expenses. But I always see that as as kind of one side of your financial picture. Were you doing anything on the other end to uh, play more offensively and, and kind of increase your income as well? Like, like you said, I, I do mow grass. Um, uh, so I, 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 I up my prices like 10%. And I literally thought that I would lose 10% of my customers if I did that. I didn't lose any customers. They were all like, oh, yeah, you're great. We're happy to have you. Happy for that. Um, then I decided, okay, if I'm going to do that, uh, I need to push myself harder. I need to find more work. Um my mother-in-law has said to me, hey, you can do anything for a season. So I just decided to push myself harder than I thought I 
you know, that I thought was possible. I was getting up at 4 a.m., working most nights until like 9 p.m. Uh, a lot of the nights, I mean, I was mowing grass sometimes on the weekends at like 4 a.m. with headphones in listening to BP podcasts. Um, so I increased my business. Uh, I basically almost doubled my profit that I was making. Um, and that was pretty much it. And I've done that for like the last two years. Mike, I, dude, I, we got to pause on that, man, because you're saying it real casually, but that is an incredible thing to do. And it's a sacrifice that unfortunately a lot of rookies are unwilling to make. They have this goal of, man, I really want to get my first investment property, but they don't have the discipline to buckle down and do what's necessary, even though, like you said, it's only for a season. So if you can you know, wake up at 4 a.m., work until 9 p.m. and do that for however long you need to do, it's only, whatever, three months, four months, six months, a year, but you're going to benefit from that rental for the rest of your life. So when you think about the the cost benefit of doing that, man, it, it's 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 crazy. It doesn't even compare, but most people aren't willing to do that. I, I just want to ask one follow up question there, Mike. Like, did you have moments as you were going through that? Dude, that's like a hundred hours a week that you're working, you know, if you're doing that every day, pretty much. Did you have moments where you're questioning, like, is this even worth it? Or how did you stay motivated going through that? Yeah, there was many moments that a lot of times they would come late at night when I was out working and I was just like, I am just so flat exhausted. Um, I thought I had always been taking ownership of my actions, but like I said, I had the Bluetooth headphones in and I would quote unquote read their, you know, listen to audible books. And I listened, you know, to Jocko about, and I read extreme ownership like three times when I said, I mean, I listened to it three times. Uh, I read the traveler's gift and in there, there talks about you persist, you know, without exception, everybody persists, but how many people persist without exception? So that's what I would focus on is just, just without exception, just keep pushing forward. Uh, I remember Brandon used to say things about getting a train started. It's really hard to get it moving, but once it's rolling, it'll crash through anything. So that's, besides all the mistakes, I just keep, just keep moving forward. It's amazing how much you can get done when you're always doing. Like, do you think you could kind of sum up for us if you're a rookie investor listening right now, what are maybe three, four, five, ten things that you could do today to get your finances in order to be able to get that that first loan on a property? First thing I would do is the defense. Do you really know how much you're spending? Um, we would only eat out like three, four times a month. But then we realized that was adding up to two, three hundred dollars. And I said, wow, that's a lot. Um, so actually sit down and look at where every dollar goes. I know it's, it seems like a long, tedious task. It'll take you 30 minutes and it'll save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Um, so sit down, do that. Uh, I lost the question, Ashley. No, that's okay. What are like some tactics? tactics or um, some advice you have for a rookie investor that they can do today to get their finances in order? So that was the defense. Um, is there any other ways that you can save money? Um, for us, another one was buying in bulk. Um, not only saving money, uh, what can you do to earn a little extra? Can you go get another part-time job? There, There's all kinds of people that are wanting work. Um, can you go to your boss and say, hey, you know, if anybody just, just, Go to your boss, say, if somebody calls in this weekend, I'll take their shift. I'll be ready. You know, then you, then you look like the person that's the go-to person. Um, the, so that's what I can think of right now. So that's the best way to get your finances in order is what I've, what I've seen from my point of view. Um, if you want, if you're looking for deals, I mean, just don't, everybody says, you know, focus on one strategy. Well, if you're starting out, don't focus on one. I did driving for dollars. Um, cause I was mowing grass. I was driving around everywhere. I go, look at that house with the tall grass. Instead of mowing that yard, let's see if I can buy that house. Um, I did driving for dollars. Uh, I contacted a, a real estate agent, uh, and said, Hey, I'm not really ready to buy, but I'm interested in small multifamilies. The next time you show this multifamily, do you mind if I stand in the background and watch what's going on? And that's how I got one of my other deals. Another one was, uh, the lady, she was a real estate agent and she lived two doors up and she, I would see her whenever she would leave and I was mowing her neighbor's yard. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways that you could find stuff, but I would spread out and try as many different things as possible. And then just go with what works. After you get yourself established, then you can start going a little bit deeper into one specific type. 
Yeah, I think, Mike, you gave some great advice there. And some of the basic things I heard you say throughout the episode that anybody could do today is just optimizing their time. The way that you worked from 4 a.m. to 9 p.m. during the season that you knew that you could make money. Uh, Also, being able to increase the price of your business by 10%. That little bit spread out. So even if you don't have your own business, like you said, asking for those extra shifts, working more, um, and then sitting down and making a plan and having a budget, uh, just making sure you know exactly what's coming out every month. And then the buying in bulk, I really like too, and not eating out as much because you're right. Those uh, dinners out, they do add up along with the DoorDash uh, delivery fee, service fee, and the tip. Those can add up too. There's one thing you had mentioned earlier that I, I wanted you to go into a little bit more was the credit card utilization. You said you had to fix that in order to get the bank financing. What did you actually do to optimize your credit card utilization? Uh, well, we kind of did like the the debt snowball. And if you don't know what that is, it's we did it. We took the smallest credit card that had the smallest limit. Like we had a credit card that had $1,000. And so we would take the money and we would pay that one down to where we didn't pay it off because we were trying to increase the utilization rate. So we would get that one down to like 300 bucks. So it was only 30% utilization on that card. Then we went to the next card. And we tried the next highest car. We paid that one down to like 30%. And that way we were able to get the utilization down low, even though we still were carrying debt. Then once we got to the end, we started back over and then began to wipe them out. So pull it, cause our utilization was, you know, near 90% on every credit card. And it was, it was a lot of money. Just we were, that was something else that we noticed in the budget, how much money we were wasting in interest. It was just like, oh my gosh, if we had that money, that could go so much further to pay this bill. And once we started doing that, you would roll it into the next one, to the next one, the next one. And then by the time we got to the last big card, we made like two, three payments and we were already below our utilization of 30%. And then shortly after that, they were all gone. Yeah. Thank you so much for explaining that, Mike. And that it, that is such a, a key point into factoring in, especially for your credit. You know, if you want to have a good credit to get pre-approved by the bank, they definitely do look at the credit utilization when your credit score is actually determined. So I, I like that little breakdown you gave us. Thanks. Uh, before we kind of wrapped up your different uh, tips and tactics for investors to get their finances in order, uh, you started mentioning finding deals. So what are some of the main uh, sources that you have found deals for or that you currently use that you know you could kind of list out for us that everybody could use at this point? I'll kind of go in chronological order real quick. Um, I did a tax sale first. That was a disaster. We could talk about that if you want. Um, then I did getting on BP saying, hey, I'm an investor and somebody came to find me. But I have to say my largest number, I did the driving for dollars. Um, I was mailed out letters. I mailed this one guy for almost two years. And finally, I got in contact with him and he, he finally was like, okay, yeah, I'll sell you the house. Um, and then, but right now, my number one thing has been with uh, real estate uh, agents. Uh, I've got a flip going on right now. And I also found my six unit uh, through, and that was two separate realtors. The six unit was the one I said, Hey, can I tag along with you? I can't afford this million dollar property, but this is what I'm looking for. Do you mind if I just walk along? And she took her about six months and she found me something there. Uh, the other one with the other real estate uh, investor is just, I told her what I was looking for and she did a lot of house flips and she could see that I was moving forward with my triplex and things like that. And I just, I just kept touching base with her. And one day she called me and said, Hey, I got this house. Um, would you be interested in it? And I said, well, Lindsay, why aren't you flipping it? She's like, I got five other flips going on. I am tapped out. And she's like, you are capable of doing this. And I was like, okay. So I said, but you know, I said, but I'm going to lean on you a lot. She's um, she's like, she's fine. So I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll text her. I'm like, Lindsay, what color should I paint the walls? You're going to sell this. What sells the best? Lindsay, what color should the door be? Lindsay, what lights should I use? You know, so uh, she's basically, I'm building her next her next uh, sale for her. So yeah, so that was a, a perfect example of like a win-win where this is, go, you know, something that's working out for you and for the agent. And that was part of the reason they could give it to you was that they knew there would still be that win-win factor counted in. 
So was this uh, property actually going to be listed on the MLS? Was it a pocket listing that you just got first dibs at or did your, does your agent actually do like direct mail and things like that? It was, it, it came from an attorney in town and that attorney has three real estate agents that, that he says, if something goes in, like someone, the person had died and the family was selling it. And so that attorney would go and call, you know, those three realtors and say, Hey, I have this property. She immediately called me within like 15 minutes of finding out and said, this is what's up. Are you interested? I was like, yes. And so that's how we did. That's how I found that. The power of networking and making connections. Like, because you knew that agent who knew that attorney, that's how that deal got done. I couldn't have gotten that deal just by me sitting here looking on the MLS or looking on Facebook Marketplace or anything like that, because I didn't have that connection. And it just goes to show how powerful connections can be in making those networking opportunities really happen. You don't even know how far your connections are reaching. I connected, I I connected with one realtor. And she has connected me with contractors. She connected me with this attorney. She has content, you know, connected me with so many people I didn't even know. So yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it, it's amazing how just a little bit persisting with that, how far it will get you. So Mike, one of the other things you mentioned was uh, you mailed some guy for almost two years. Uh, first, it just goes to show the persistence you have with everything. Uh, but second, I want to know like, what were you saying in these letters for two years? Was it the same letter? How often were you mailing it? And and why do you think he finally responded to you after almost 24 months? I don't know if everybody could use this template because not everybody mows grass, but my letters would start out something along like, I would say, hey, my name's Mike. I own a business called Mike's Lawn Service. I was mowing a yard in across the street from your house. And uh, I was curious if you wanted me to mow the grass but if not, I would also be interested in purchasing this house. And so that's what I would send out. And sometimes I would, I would change it up. Like a couple months later, I'd be like, hey, I'm not really sure if you got this letter. Just check in. Sometimes the post office is screwy, trying to make a little joke. And then one time I got one guy's number and I said, hey, if you want me to quit sending me these letters, just call me or text me. And then the guy like texted me and I was like, ah, I got your number now. Um, but then he, and, but I think he got sick of me. So that, that shortly after that, I think I put the seed in his mind that he should sell his property. That one went on to the MLS and I never got a chance on that one. But I, I was just like, ah, oh. but I was like, I, I, I could have offered him, you know, the same amount and he could have saved, you know, some of those fees. Yeah. But that's, it's a, it's an interesting tactic, right? Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't have a, a lawn mowing business, but I have a, I have an Airbnb cleaning company. And I'm thinking now, like I could just say, Oh, my cleaners were across the street from your house. And, uh, Hey, would you want to be a client? And if not, I'd also like to buy your house. That's like a, a really interesting way to, to use direct mail. Like, did anyone ever, uh, actually take you up on your offer to cut the grass? Did anyone hire you for grass cutting? They had me mow it. And then they had a realtor come out and take a picture and it was all on Zillow. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, they were, so yeah, I lost out on a couple of deals like that. I thought I, I, it wasn't, it, it was funny at the time. Um, it's just because they asked way too much. It was when everybody went crazy. I was like, I wouldn't have offered them that anyway. So it really didn't matter. So it was fun. I was like, well, at least I got something out of the deal. Well, Mike, we've talked about some pleasantries in the business, such as networking with your real estate agent. But you did match, uh, mention a trigger word for me and Tony, and that is disaster. So we have to know about it. So can you tell us about the disaster that happened at the tax auction? So this was, this is... I normally don't even count this as the start of my real estate investing because it was so awful. I'm like, we're just going to delete that from memory. Um, but it was, it was a tax sale and I was like, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to find a property. And I, there was like a couple hundred of them and I went through all of them and looked at them and I narrowed it down to like, you know, three or four different ones. And I went and saw all of them in person. And I went to this one. It was a cute little house in a cute neighborhood and it was just all grown up in weeds. I'm like, man, I can tackle this. No problem. Um, there was nothing on the door. It did have a padlock on the door. Went to the tax sale. I bought the house. Like it was like for $10,500 or some meaningless amount. Um, I'm like, great, got it. 
Um, so I didn't want to get fines or fees from the city. So I, about three days later, I drove like 30 minutes to the house, getting ready to cut the grass and all that. I turn the corner, the house is gone. And I'm not talking like it was a mobile home and somebody moved it. We're talking a brick and mortar house gone. Like the lot is scraped clean. And so I spent like a couple minutes circling the block. Like, is this the right house? And then like, finally I stopped and I asked, and I was like, where's my house? They're like, the city came and knocked it down. And I'm like, what? Uh, so long story short, I got in contact and I said, I contacted the city and I was like, what's up? What happened was, is apparently the people that had owned it, that they were selling it, they had, there had been like a fire upstairs and it was no big deal. It was, wasn't structural or anything. It was real small, but they had left it so long and let the property grow up so long that the city basically condemned the house, but they would come by and rip the flyers off the door and tear down the yellow tape. So it didn't look like there was anything happening with the house. So I ended up, now I know who to talk to. If I had contacted this department, I could have put a hold on that and said, hey, I just bought this house. Give me, you know, three, six months to get it all straightened around. And they would have said yes. Um, long story short, I ended up contacting a, a lawyer. Uh, I sold the house to somebody else. I made $1,500 out of the deal after all the lawyer fees and everything were paid. So I count that as a win, but it was so horrible. I'm just like, I'm not going down that route again. I can't believe you made any money. <laughs> I know. Like that by itself is crazy. Well, I, it was because I bought it for like ten five, and it was the, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did. It was because the market was going crazy. So I had this beautiful, freshly cleaned, uh, it was zoned like R2 or R3 lot. And I think the guy who bought it from me, he put like a duplex on it. You know, we actually had, um, we had a guest, uh, Donovan Adesero and uh, Adesero. And Donovan told us, I don't know if you remember this, Ash, but he said he actually prefers buying, as a builder, prefers buying vacant land than teardowns because there's a cost to tearing down the structure. Or Mike got that for free. <laughs> yeah, you got that for free from the city and then you wholesaled the land. So it sounds like a bad deal, but it was, you know, it actually turned out to be pretty good for you, man. <laughs> I'm sure a little headaches and probably some sleepless nights, but not a, not a bad outcome. The city tried to charge me like $7,000 for tearing it down. That's why I had to get the attorney. The teardowns are not free. Yeah, no, it wasn't free. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a fun ride. We'll put it that way. And did you have to pay that or no? No. The attorney was like, look, he didn't know all this stuff. It went back and forth. But like I said, after the attorney was paid and everything was paid, I sold the house. I had, I put like $1,500 in my pocket and I was just like, happy that happened, you know, because it could have been far worse. But it didn't deter you from going on to the next deal. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So, so the next one was the one you, you told us about, correct? The triplex? Was the triplex. Yeah, the next one was the triplex where, you know, there again, I make another stupid mistake and start working on somebody else's property. You know, real G. Well, I definitely, before you say any more, uh, we're going to take a short break, but I definitely want to hear as to the pros and cons of actually doing that. If you're going to get in and start working on a project before you actually own it, because all that goes to my mind is the person deciding not to close. And now you've lost all this money, this time, this work, this material in a property. But we'll be right back. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back from our short break. We are here with Mike, who is about to tell us what happened on his triplex when the seller lets him into the property early to start performing work to get it bankable. So Mike, uh, tell us a little more about how that rehab went on the triplex. Well, uh, the unit was vacant, obviously. Um, it was in horrible disrepair. Um, they had done so many halfway fixes. I remember the bathtub, you actually had to step down to get into the bathtub because the floor joists had broke. So instead of fixing the floor joists, <laughs> yeah, so instead of fixing the floor joists, they would put like a two by four shim and they like plywood, and then it sunk some more, and they another ply. So it was like seven layers of floor. So you would literally step down to get into the bathtub. Um, yeah, and then the floor was rotted in front of the kitchen sink. Uh, I I kind of fell through there, and it also had a, a drop ceiling, which was covering up all the. It had ten foot ceilings, but it was covering up all the plaster and lath that had fallen down over the years. And I was like, oh, I need to take this down and I pushed one of the tiles and it must have just been hanging there. And when I pulled on it, it was like a cartoon. The whole ceiling collapsed around me, except for this one tile where I was standing directly beneath. Um, I was able to get in there and see some of the problems on the property. And I, I contacted the owner and I was just like, Hey, you know, this, there's some pretty major structural issues with this house. And, um, by now I had, I had gotten my degree with engineering and, uh, I was able to go to the city planners and I sketched it. I was like, look, this wall's not bearing the weight. You know, it's no, there's no transfer. Da, da, da. I sketched it out on a piece of paper. And so I think by me showing him all the problems that that property had, that kind of deterred him from wanting to be like, to try to take it back. You're actually leaving it in worse condition. Yeah. And he's like, you better take it. <laughs> Now, Mike, let, before you go further, let me just ask, like, what made you trust this person that they would close on the deal? And why do you think they trusted you to also not 
just like completely ruin the property even more. And then they're stuck with something that's worth even less. I have no idea why they trusted me. I, you know, I was starting out as a new rookie. I could have knocked the whole thing down for all they knew. Um, but the reason why, I, excuse the reason why I trusted him was one, I happened to find out that he was a, a pastor at the church in the town where he lived. And two, he had never really bought that property as an investment. He bought it to live there. So he was like an accidental. And so what he was just trying to do is he was just trying to pass it on to somebody else and trying to help somebody because he saw that I was interested. In. I think that's why he uh, trusted me. Uh, I trusted him. Just I, it was it was literally a verbal agreement. He came down and shook my hand. And you know how you get a sense of somebody? I guess my senses were right. Um, it could have been very wrong, but I just, I, I believe that he would be a man of his word. And this is the guy that you met on the bigger pocket. Yes. Form, yes. That this connection happens. Like it isn't, isn't it crazy to like, think about like meeting people online, like where, what it transpires into and like, especially the bigger pockets forums are just like, even on Instagram, meeting other real estate investors, how like deep those connections can actually get. And not that I recommend anybody listening to handshake deals like Mike, he is very fortunate. It worked out. So Mike, during that time, how much did you spend on the rehab and how much of your own time did you actually put into the property? I probably only, I spent about 10, 10 to $15,000 before we actually did, you know, officially sold the house. And I, I, purchased it. Um, but a lot of that was structural. It was <laughs> putting, you know, two by tens, getting, uh, uh, piers put underneath the house to lift it back up to, you know, correct level. You know, I had my laser level shut, you know, out the whole kitchen. At one point in time, there was only, we only had two floor joists left in the whole house and the whole unit. And that's, and luckily they, you know, everything was rotted on this side, eight feet over. Everything was rotted on this side, eight feet over. And, uh, so that's that. And then after that, after we closed on it, then I had electrical come in. I had plumbing guys come in. I had HVAC guys come in because I had learned over time that they can do it faster and cheaper than I can. Uh, it's one of those who, not how type things. Um, so I probably put like 35,000 in that unit. And, uh, and when I was working on it, I would only work at night. Uh, because I was mowing grass all day. Fortunately, uh, the guy that lived upstairs, he was a college student and he was like staying over at his girlfriend's house. So I never saw him. Uh, but his lease wasn't up. So he just kept paying his rent. And then the guy, uh, or the lady that was on the other side, she worked third shift. So I'd be like rolling in, you know, to work and she would be gone. So I'd be like spending all night hammering and sawing, just like pretty much disturbing the neighborhood. I kept every once in a while, I'd open the door, look outside, make sure that there was no police coming. Um, and that, that all ended very quickly when the guy upstairs moved out and then a new guy had moved in. I was like two in the morning and I'm in there shooting nails with a nail gun and I hear him come down the steps and I didn't even know he was up there. He's like, I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. So, so Mike, it, it, it's such a crazy story, man. $35,000. Um, if, if say this deal were to come to you again today, what would you do differently knowing what you now know? Well, first of all, I wouldn't have started any of the work until after the closing table. Um, uh, I, I, I would have gotten my finances in order. Like I said earlier, then I could have actually purchased the house before I began any of the work. I would have had it. I could have had that unit rented sooner, like six months sooner, which would have helped pay for all the work. I wouldn't have had to do as much work as I did. I could have had it done faster and it would have been done right. And, you know, it was done right, but it, it would have been faster and less work on me. And I could have immediately started collecting rent. Um, I'm remodeling the upstairs unit in this triplex right now. And uh, I didn't hardly do any of the work at all. Um, I, you know, the, the plumber, I needed a new hot water heater. It's on the second floor. The plumber was like, yeah, I'll charge you 200 bucks to put in the hot water heater. I was like, 200 bucks and you drag that hot water heater up the stairs? Deal. Yeah, well, and that's the that's the value of getting those first deals done is that you start to learn, right? Um, and, and Mike, seems like you picked up a lot of lessons uh, along the way, brother. So I, I want to keep moving here because I, I, I hear that there's an interesting story about uh, your experience at the last Bigger Pockets conference, the last BP con. So 
walk us through what was that? Yeah, and again, that's just, it, it goes into the power of networking and you being at these kind of events and things like that. So what what happened at BPCon for you that was so so beneficial? Yeah, so I spent, I got, get your little badge. It says rookie and all that stuff. So I'm going around, I'm telling everybody all these crazy stories. And I'm telling everybody, I was like, you know, I, I got, and this is when my realtor had called me at BPCon. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, look at it when I come back, go ahead and just, you know, handle it till I get back, put in an offer or something like that. So I kept telling every single person that I knew there, Hey, I got this coming up, but I, you know, I need to find money. And, you know, I was at BPCon. So I, I should have looked for people that were specifically hard money lenders, but you know, yet another mistake. I didn't look on the last day of the conference. I'm riding down the elevator. And just like everybody does at BPCon, you turn to the person beside you and go, well, what's your story? And the guy says, well, I'm a hard money lender. And I'm like, funny, you should say that. And so I tell him this whole story about, you know, this, my realtor introduced, you know, gave me this property, all this stuff. I give him all the details. He hands me his card. It was, it was from like the eighth floor down to the ground floor. So we're talking a 30 second conversation. I met this guy and told him my story, got the card. Uh, came home, sat down with the realtor, got my, we walked through the house and she told me that it's going to need all these things. And I said, I agree and all this other stuff. Called him up and probably a week after BPCon, I was closing on the house. I couldn't believe that happened. And I was just like the whole, ch- spending the money on that trip to BPCon made me a lot of money, you know? So it was worth every penny of it. It's always so crazy how a chance interaction can have this kind of domino effect in your life. And and you wouldn't even know in the moment, but, you know, looking back, you can see how the dots connect. But I think what what's important, and this is, I think this is where the, the instruction is for the rookies. Obviously, BPCon is a great event and, and we encourage all you guys to go, but there's so many other real estate events happening on a more local basis, you know, regional basis. Find those events, Take the time out of your busy schedule to go spend an hour or two at the local real estate meetup and take that next step of what you did, Mike, of just interacting with people, right? You could have been the guy on the elevator who just like looked straight forward or looked down at his phone, but instead you made the decision consciously to look to your right and say, hey, you know, what's your name? What's going on with you? And I think that's the part where a lot of people get stuck is that they go to these events but then they kind of, you know, they, they kind of retreat to their shell or maybe they go with a, a friend who they already know. So they don't meet anyone else. They don't meet anyone new. But when you actively seek those new relationships and you actively seek to provide value to other people, that's when the value starts to come back to you, Mike. And I think you did a great job of, of uh, explaining that for the guests here. And I'm just an outgoing person. But if you're not, people love to talk about themselves. I'm a prime example of that. Um, so even if you're an introvert, just turn to somebody and, you know, say, you know, hey, how you doing? What's your story? Something like that. And people a lot of times will be happy to talk about themselves. You don't have to say anything. Just let them talk. I'm very into or introverted where it's actually very hard for me to like go and be social in rooms of people I don't know and put myself out there. But one thing I will do at conferences is I will be the first person in the lunchroom. So I'll be the first person at lunch and I will get my food and I will just sit at a random table, whether it's by myself or if I'm with a friend or whatever. And then I'll just wait for people to come to me because I don't like that awkwardness of like, um, okay, which table am I going to sit at? Where am I going to go? Uh, can I sit with you? And like, it's not like anybody ever says, no, you can't sit with us, but it's still just like picking what table you're like looking at the options of like, I I don't know, like, will this person feel bad if I sit here and not there or whatever. So I, the first person in the lunch line, you get in, you get your table and then whoever sits with you, then they chose you. You are special. (laughs) I, Ash, we've been, we've been to so many conferences and events together now, and I'm trying to like replay in my memory. Like, have I ever actually beaten Ashley to the, like to the lunchroom? And I don't, I don't know if I have, I feel like every time I walk in, you already are sitting down. BPCon lunch. I have a photo of me the only one in the lunchroom was me and Daryl. I think the only two people in there and ready to like, you're first in line. <laughs> Mike, so you, you shared a lot of amazing advice so far. And I think our rookies are going to get a tremendous amount of value from what you share, brother. And truly, I just commend you on your perseverance, your persistence, and just being able to buckle down and make things happen, brother. So what I'd love to do is just know what is what is your advice for rookies who are lo- looking to replicate what you've done? The most important thing I can say is, first of all, make sure you have your financial house in order. 
you know, both offense and defense, because it's going to be very upsetting when you do find that deal and you watch it sail away because you can't do anything about it. Um, the next thing, let's see, what else can we do? Um, just try to be more open. Ex tell people what you do, what you're in, into. Find some way to make a connection, even if it's not real estate. I have people right now before this podcast that lent me money because they've been friends of mine for like 15 years. And I've been talking to them for like the past three years and uh, to help me get my flip done even faster. Also, be honest with people right up front. So many people are false today. Just be honest with somebody. If you don't know what you're doing, say, I don't know. I did that. That's how I ended up with my six unit. I told the realtor, hey, I, I'm not ready yet. I don't know quite what I'm doing, you know, but if I can just tag along. Now, everybody's going to say, well, I don't own my own business. I can't just increase my prices. Well, for me, when I hear somebody has a W-2 income, that's their unfair advantage. They can go to the bank easier than I can. The bank looks at me and they're like, oh, you might go out of business. I'm like, it's not very likely I'm going to be fired by 50 people on the same day. From years of doing that, I, I knew, I knew some contractors just, you know, because I would be at Lowe's buying you know, railroad ties or timbers. And I just happened to see somebody's truck out there. And they would say, hey, can you bring me a load of topsoil so I can backfill this property? Um, it's, it's, you know, that's an unfair advantage that I have. I mean, if you work at McDonald's, how many people do you interact with a day? If somebody comes in and you can tell like they got like a realtor badge on or something like that, Say, hey, you know, do you do that? Ask for their card. And then later on say, hey, I met you at McDonald's and, you know, this is kind of what I'm looking for. You know, people will, re will re respect that somebody's looking for something like that and that they're honest enough to say, I might be down here at the bottom, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to work. Mike, this has been a phenomenal episode. And I just want to finish up here with your overall numbers. So tell us what is happening with uh, the triplex as far as your, you know, just break it down real quick, what you ended up purchasing it for, what you put into it total, and what is it renting for, and what is your cash flow? Uh, the triplex, I purchased it for $110,000. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's so cheap. Um, but it needed a lot of work. Uh, in total, I've probably put $70,000 in it. And that was for remodeling the downstairs unit and counting the upstairs unit, which will be done here in like two weeks. Um, I've already got a tenant that's m wanting to move in. So without that, let's see, I got my numbers right here. The triplex, uh, will bring in $2,300 a month. And then after, you know, your PITI taxes, insurance, maintenance and CapEx, which I do 10% because it's an older building. Um, and even vacancy, um, my cash flow it would be like $1,458, but right now it's like $42. But next month, it'll, it's going to be like pure cash flow of almost $1,400. That is amazing. So how much are you spending? Like say that when everything is all done and just renting out and how much time do you think you'll spend a month focusing and on managing this unit? Um, I probably, I probably only spend like 15 minutes a month doing the actual management. I'm not counting like when I come by in the summertime and mow the grass, uh, the people that, that are there, they, they think I'm the maintenance guy. They don't know that when they mail their checks, who's it's going, who it's going to. Um, so I probably only spend about 15 minutes per month maintaining, like doing actual office work, um, as opposed to when I'm mowing to make that same dollar amount, I would have to work five hours and have like 10 extra yards to do that. And when I did that calculation, I kind of was mad at myself that I didn't notice it sooner. So that's really beginning to push me even further and faster into, I got to get out of this and work harder with the real estate thing. And that is such a great comparison as to looking at your cash flow is what it is now, how much time you're actually putting towards your properties, and then compare it to whether you have a W-2 job or you have, um, you know, you, you have your own business what your time is, because a lot of time that's actually why someone gets into real estate is because they want that time freedom. And money is the first building tool because money gives you time freedom. But once you have your, you know, your basic foundation of your money that you need, your financial freedom, that's when people start to trade 
you know, they want more time instead of money and they start spending more money to buy back more of their time. So being able to understand that trade-off and like tracking it very early on is is such a good uh, thing that you're doing here. There's another, I wish I would have started tracking it sooner. Okay. Well, Mike, just to wrap up here, um, amazing episode. Uh, you can do anything for a season is, is what we learned from you. And especially starting to hustle, hustle during the season that you can make money, if not all year long, but that might bring a, a little bit of burnt out. And then how important it is to lay your financial foundation and whether that's budgeting, that's paying off debt, whether that's increasing your income. Then we learned so much about the power of networking from using the Bigger Pockets forums to attending the Bigger Pockets conferences. And I love the piece that you said that you don't know how far your connections actually go with your example of networking with your agent and then all of the people that she has been able to put you in contact with. So Mike, thank you so much. If you would like to learn more about Mike and what he's doing in his real estate journey, you can check out in the show notes below on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform to find Mike's information to connect with him. And before we wrap things up here, I just want to give a quick shout out to someone that left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I go by the username of Smiley21 and Smiley21 says, I'm so happy to have discovered the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Ashley and Tony do a great job of breaking things down Barney style, while also keeping the show entertaining with their banter and jokes. I hope to begin my journey this year in real estate. And this podcast has been so helpful and inspiring. So for all of our rookies that are listening, that are watching right now, if you haven't yet, please take a few minutes to leave an honest rating and review because the more reviews we get, the more folks we can reach. And the more folks we can reach, the more success stories we have. So appreciate you guys taking the time to do that for us. And if you are having trouble getting started in real estate, make sure you check out the Bigger Pockets Bootcamps. You can go to biggerpockets.com slash bootcamps and check out which one may be best for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Ashley and he's Tony and we'll see you guys next time. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.